0: Hello and welcome to Minter Dialogue, episode number 378. Today is Sunday the 21st of June 2020. My name is Minter Dial and I'm your host for this podcast. This week's interview is with James Mulvaney. James is a serial entrepreneur based in Manchester, UK, who founded Radio.co, Podcast.co and most recently Matchmaker.fm a site designed to match podcasters with guests. In this episode with James, you'll find out what is the state of podcasting today, how companies are using podcasts more and more, plumbing podcast data and the business models, and how best to grow your podcast or how to get guest appearances on other podcasts. You'll find all the show notes on minterdial.com. Now for the interview. James Mulvaney. Wow. It's always fun to have a true podcaster, enthusiast, aficionado, connoisseur, and a man of radio
1: as well. So James, in your own words, how do you describe yourself? I'm an entrepreneur that helps um, other brands, other entrepreneurs connect with their audiences using audio. That's really how I describe myself. So I have a few different businesses, um, all serving specifically the audio space, including podcast.co, radio.co, and macmaker.fm. How did you get into audio? What was the, was there
0: sort of of some crazy moment where you're like, oh, this is cool?
1: Radio came first before before podcasting. in, in, In my story, I was always listening to the radio growing up, whether that be, you know, during the daytime, in the car with my parents, or when I was, you know, going to bed at night, sometimes I'd have it on. And, you know, I was always really fascinated with it. I think it, I think it kind of, bought a lot to me as a kid it was I found it an entertaining medium I like to listen to uh, you know the DJs on air and I think back in the day you know there's stories of everyone's got these stories where they used to tape it or tape themselves and play it back or you know record the, your favorite radio shows on cassette and you know I'm probably sure I went for all of that and uh, I was of course also interested also interest in, in becoming a DJ I love music and kind of just merged the two together and um, in the end, when I was Sort of at the age of of kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do as a career, uh, I was also building websites, so I had some experience using Photoshop and Dreamweaver. I ended up putting the two and two together. I didn't end up going down the career of traditional, you know, becoming a, a radio presenter, but I used the sort of skills that I'd learned, you know, in the industry and doing some work experience, and sort of my passion for technology to to create a service which was um, supplying the industry instead of uh, kind of more behind the scenes, technical stuff. uh, And just kind of went from there.
0: Your story reminds me of indeed of, of those times when you'd hit record and play, you know, and punch it down and then you try to stop it just before the, and now capital radio.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, that's the thing. I think that that was where the love for audio came from and, uh, podcasting I think is an evolution of radio it's it's something that's uh, grown a lot over the last few years and it's quite an exciting space to be involved with all right so with podcast.co and and your matchmaker you obviously have a, a
0: real insight into what's happening in podcasting so from your vantage point considering the types of clients and work you do obviously you, from whatever you read as well
1: how do you gauge the state of podcasting today well I mean there's all, all sorts of constant uh, updates and insights and reports being released, which all clearly show that it's grown significantly over the past few years. From our perspective as a business, um, we're starting to work with more and more corporate kind of clients. So um, lots of brands who are sort of seeing it as another route to market, as another way of communicating with their audience. Recently, I did a uh, presentation for NHS Digital Um, because they're interested in using it as a tool for engaging with stakeholders, you know, as as an internal communications tool. And I think podcasting, you know, specifically, if you look at a a company, the organization the size of the NHS, very distributed, people working all up and down the UK, and indeed some people are based overseas as well, you know, podcasting is a really personal medium to to, to keep people up to date on, on things that are happening. So, so there's various different ways that businesses I think are using podcasting now, but if you go about five years, I think very, very few businesses were even thinking about using podcasting at all.
0: It's very interesting what you're saying because in business, I would see many companies thinking about things like internal communications through video, as opposed yep. to the interminable emails. And it's true that the audio, while live in some regards, because you still need to get the words out of your mouth as opposed to type them and correct and edit and copy paste. In audio, you don't have to deal with the the look. (laughs) You can really just focus on what you're saying.
1: Yeah, I was having a conversation with a guy the other day who has a production company that produces lots of uh, internal podcasts for for corporations and, and, and larger businesses. And he was saying to me that the good thing about podcasts for, from the from the perspective of getting uh, employees or staff or stakeholders or shareholders or whatever engaged with it, it is that you know you're not throwing a camera in front of their face. A lot of people will immediately sort of seize up when when they're put in front of a camera. They don't know what to say or they sort of feel like, oh well, you know, the pressure's on and if, you know, if you're know, if you sat in a room with a couple of other people who you have meetings with on a regular basis anyway and you stick a microphone in the middle, it's a lot less intimidating. And I think the conversation will sound a lot more natural. So mm. as a result, the, the benefit to, to, to the listener is going to be greater because it's going to be kind of less force. So I think that's kind of uh, one of the reasons why I think businesses should consider it. During
0: the pandemic, what, mm. what happened to podcasting from your vantage point?
1: Well, it's interesting because we were talking about this the other day, Minter, weren't we? I think, uh, interestingly, on Radio.co, we've seen a huge, huge increase in traffic. We've seen about, in peak times, we're getting about three times the amount of listeners coming through the network than we were, say, in January and February. Um, Looking at the stats overall for across the board on Podcast.co, they've sort of stayed about the same. We have seen more customers signing up over the past couple of months as well on both brands. You know, again, I think it's, people have got perhaps more time on their hands, you know, obviously we're all still working from home. So, you know, you still have to focus on the business, but there's not that distraction of people coming up to you and asking questions. So I think it gives you time to focus on projects that perhaps were will put sort of to the bottom of the pile beforehand. So maybe this is one of the reasons we're seeing more people signing up to podcast.co, you know, more businesses, more brands are thinking, right. Okay. Now is a good time to do this because you know often it'll be the marketing manager who's heading it up they'll have more time on their hands and ultimately this is something that they can actually finally focus on um also you know it's a p- fantastic way to keep in touch with everyone uh, whilst you're all working remotely and there's nothing to stop you recording podcasts remotely as well um again normally we we have a couple of different studio operations so we have one in london we have one in manchester so we will normally send clients down to uh, the studio to, to record um, obviously at the moment that's not possible so we are you know encouraging people to do it remotely where possible for sure
0: i've seen a number of brands turning to any number of different digital outputs and platforms and so podcasting is getting its space but it's it's still not the the first port of call people are still thinking more things like social media and e-commerce and this other thing podcasting for some seems to be so far what do you think the future holds for podcasting now Are we going to continue to see the sort of strong growth
1: we see? I think we will, because, you know, uh, five years ago, Apple was still the main player, I suppose, in the industry. You know, they were the, the go to source for podcasts. Spotify have in the last two years alone, hoovered up a huge section of the market. Google are finally sort of seeming to starting to take it seriously. Google have Uh, just recently launched their podcast manager dashboard, which gives podcasters more insights into who's listening through Google specifically. But I think Google have actually got a lot of power to actually change the industry. One of the main problems is still being able to discover podcasts. The experience is not the best. Um, You know, often if you search for a podcast and you've already listened to them, well, it will still come up. So there's there's tons of improvements that could be made, I think to these platforms to make, podcast is more discoverable but the the key point here is these huge companies are investing significantly in the medium which will only help you know increase uh increase the number of listeners who are tuning in because it's making it more accessible to a wider number of people and also um you know just generally drive more revenue as a whole to the medium because advertisers are going to take it more and more seriously as time progresses and i think you know Looking at the numbers of active podcasts on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as it's now known, you know, the last sort of uh, year, say, um, they've just announced they've hit a million podcasts. That number was only 600,000, I think, in February last year. So uh, last year alone, they've, they've nearly doubled the, the amount of, of podcasts they have. So it's, it's growing at a huge rate right now.
0: Yeah, One of the things that's
1: interesting about that is Spotify
0: also announced a million active Mm. podcast the interesting question then becomes what is active at some level because you know there is still a long tail where it can exist and still be found but there is this notion of of up-to-dateness or not
1: yeah i think an active I, i mean it'd be interesting to know exactly what the definition is but presumably is active you know there's two ways of looking at an active podcast isn't there is it is it that there's been an episode that's been published within you know say the last month or is it that people have been listening to those episodes within the last month or a combination of the two? Because, you know, there are a lot of podcasts which aren't getting much traction, uh, but they're regularly updated. Likewise, there are podcasts that haven't been updated for a long time, but still seem to get lots of listeners. Yeah, um, evergreen for green content. You know. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's kind of one of the benefits of it, really, I think. Uh, specifically, when you're creating your episodes, if you can if you can create titles and descriptions that you know are actively getting searched for, you know, you've got a chance of of pulling in listeners. Yeah. I've I've had a habit of introducing the date that I do it like a
0: timestamp. There are other people that come from the school of, you know, get rid of the date, Mm. uh, remove any risk that people will click away just because it's old.
1: Yeah. I mean, again, I think, One of the things that I'm most excited about Google is they have got the sort of computing power and technology to not just look at the description and the title, but what is actually contained within the episode in in terms of they turn your voice into uh, AI transcription, so text, and then obviously their super powerful, super good search technology will be able to give that text context. So if someone's looking for a solution to a problem, as most people now Googling for um questions versus kind of keywords um you know in theory they have that power to 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 sort of start recommending podcasts which will answer that question using that process so i think that will um help with discoverability and and also it'll be you know be great for the podcasting world as a whole one of the things that i struggled
0: with is understanding what's happening with my podcasts that so the the data was very obscure almost you know irrelevant now what I've seen is basically all the major platforms have created dashboards in the background. But from my perspective, I feel like I kind of need to keep on going into each of them to understand what's going on. I don't have a one aggregated. I am hosted on Buzzsprout. I yep. don't feel like I have an aggregated understanding of everything that's going on because, you know, there's stuff happening on Apple that's over there. the stuff happening on Spotify that's over here on, uh, you know, podcast.co or wherever yep. it's all yep. over the place. And and you feel like you have to, if you really want to be granular, you really have to have some massive numbers
1: everywhere in order to make that have it make sense. I think so. And part of the problem as well is each of those outlets have different statistics, so they will show you different data, which kind of makes it hard to correlate as well. Um, because you know, the, 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 the way it's presented isn't, isn't unified. It's kind of annoying as well, because, for example, um, we have a partnership with Spotify at Co, which basically allows us to um, retrieve data systematically from from their API. OK, Apple have not yet done that. So technically, you can't scrape or pull any data from 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 apple because it would be against their terms and conditions you have to rely on their user interface which as a provider for us is really frustrating because we want to try and provide our customers with as, as detailed and accurate statistics as possible you know we know it's important because ultimately if, when you're working with businesses they want to measure their kpis based on you know how many people are engaged with it how many pe- how long people are listening for so i think it, there's still a lot of work to do in terms of uh, statistics in the podcasting world um, traditionally it's just been looking at download numbers again, that's fine. But you know, it's hard to actually see if someone's listened to that or consumed that piece of content versus they've just downloaded it.
0: And that'll be necessary for the business model. One of the things that has always, let's say raised eyebrows is the word podcast. And it, it feels sort of ironic if Apple were to fall into the background for not having openness enough and, and the world of podcasting, which was begat through the iPod yeah um, where do you, do you think that word is going to have legs i mean i i look at the store i think it still exists the car phone warehouse and and how outdated that thought is and yet they, <laughs> they still had it emblazoned on top is podcasting as a word term going to
1: survive yeah that's a good question isn't it i think it's kind of one of these weird terms that was unfortunately coined and i think it's here to stay however i know what you mean it doesn't necessarily i mean it really we call uh, we watch a youtube clip and we call it a video don't we it's not really technically a video a video is you know an old-fashioned uh, bit, bit of tape isn't it so um I, I i'm not sure i think it's just one of these words that you know yeah probably will be here to stay it's just just the same as this car phone warehouse like you say just uh, it's
0: hard to overcome when it's got to yeah. some kind
1: of critical mass so in matchmaker
0: uh, where you put together interviewer and interviewee yeah what was the inspiration for this what
1: why did you launch yourself into that so a lot of podcasts, I think it's something like sixty percent are based on interviews, like we're doing now, uh, or, or you know having guests on board or collaboration. Um, there seem to be uh, lots and lots of people, you know, reaching out to me asking me to be on their podcast. Likewise, I've done the same. And when we were launching podcast.co, we were th- we were, we thought of this as initially as a good marketing funnel. So it was really just we we had a couple of um, pages where people could opt in on the website one was targeted towards guests looking to be interviewed on more podcasts and one was targeted towards podcasters looking for guests so we had we noticed we we put those forms up on the site we already had quite a lot of content and we were getting some traction in the marketplace and we found that there these forms were getting a lot of responses and people were really engaged and you know they were completing the forms with quite some detail about themselves so we thought okay well rather than just treating this as a funnel is there more to this? Is there something further that we could potentially do? And you know, are we onto something here? So this was really the the the, the groundwork we did, which then caused the birth of Matchmaker and Podcast.co Is you know a relatively young company. We launched about a year ago. We, we were in pre-launch for about a year before that, so we we're only about two years old. And. You know, so it is really classed as a startup, and what we've been doing with Matchmaker is treating it sort of as a startup within a startup. So it has a, a sort of sub team working on the development, and you know we're sharing responsibility uh, in, in sort of sales and marketing to, to kind of grow the platform. And we've had some great results. We've hit three thousand users now uh, in in less than three months. Um, the next phase will be to make it more open. So currently, to access and browse guests and podcasts, you have to be logged in the next phase will be making it more of a sort of public directory, you know, to to further grow and and allow people to share their profiles on social media, etc. But, um, you know, the, the feedback we've had since launch has been fantastic. We've had lots of people say to us, they've made really valuable bookings, and they've had some really interesting conversations off the back of using the product, which has been very exciting from my perspective. You call it a Tinder for podcasting.
0: Yeah, and it makes me think that on one, let's say, in Tinder, <laughs> there often is a a bigger demand for a certain supply. Mm. In 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 matchmaker, which is there an imbalance? And I, you know, the more people saying, "I I I want to be on," or "I I need more."
1: Yeah, that's an interesting question, and it's something we're conscious of because obviously, this was the challenge to begin with. Was firstly, we didn't want to make it as open as possible because you know no one wants to sign up and just see it's a ghost town uh so you know how do you get guests on board if there's no um podcast and how do you get podcasters on board if there's no guests so we had to be very careful to begin with that we you know we, we initially just launched it to our customer base and that seemed to kind of start the playing field quite level now what's happened is yes there are more guests um but uh it's not, it, there's, there's not too much of an imbalance. And I think that's probably good because I think you want, you want, we want to give podcasters choice of who they want to interview really. So I think there's always going to be slightly more guests than podcasters, but we are actively reaching out to to both of the, the those demographics to make sure that we're trying to keep it as balanced as possible. Having not logged in yet, which I will do right <laughs> after this recording,
0: do you look at ratings within that? Because, you know, I could imagine that, for a podcaster let's say there's a large number of guests but are the guests good and one route is as we know go listen to them on other podcasts if they've been on yeah and oh then you make an assessment their voice is not fun or nice or the, what they speak and how they speak is not appropriate what about that
1: well we are you know it's still a quite a new platform so there's lots sure. of um, innovations that we want to add um including being able to sort of record a, a clip the way it currently works is you set, set a tagline so it's kind of like an elevator pitch um, i think it's the same number of characters as a tweet so in 180 characters or whatever it is you know tell us why we'd be we'd be great 240 we would be great for um you know to, to, uh, i'd be a great candidate say for your podcast minter um, and the idea is you know when you're browsing guests you hover over them and you can see this kind of tagline so it's a, you can make a pretty quick decisions on who sounds like they might be interesting when you click onto their profile then you can see more information so they can embed uh, links to their social profiles or they can link to um, uh, other, other podcasts they've been on and obviously right description of, of their skills you know obviously one of the things that we're struggling with is some people spend a lot of time and do a really great job of this and uh you know, really sort of sell from flack of a better phrase, really sell themselves, you know, saying, look, here's why I'm good. Here's my area of expertise. And other people will just sort of write a, you know, half a paragraph or something. So I think ultimately, it's one of these platforms you get in what you you get out what you put in. So uh I, I always say to people who are signing up, if you sign up, you've got to try and be proactive on both sides of the, you know, what it's whatever size of the fence you sit on. Um, and, and reach out to people. Don't just sort of sign up and just sort of sit there and hope for the best because yes, you'll get some messages, but I think, you know, if you, if you're actually being proactive, thinking, right, which podcast do I think look really good or what sort of guests do I really want? um, we've, we've added lots of filtering tools to make it easy to try and refine people based on their area of expertise, uh, language, location, all that kind of stuff. And as I say, as we kind of grow this platform out, we'll be further refining this and uh, making it even more powerful being an entrepreneur and i love the fact that you said
0: you're relatively young at one year old <laughs> most companies would consider that very young and of course you are still a startup but with that mindset business models for podcasting yeah what advice or or thoughts go through your mind with
1: regard to turning it into a business it's a very good question because i don't think you know it's still in its infancy in the sense that there isn't a set guaranteed set you know pathway to success if that makes sense i think different things will work differently for different individuals again what what do you want to get out of it if you're a business and you're launching a podcast you might not necessarily want to have sponsors eg other businesses advertising on your podcast but you might be using it as a lead generation tool so you want to be tracking who is coming from the podcast in your funnel Um, if you're say just an individual and you're looking to to quickly make money i don't think podcasting is is a good way to to go because it's you're in it for the long game and there's uh there's podcasts like entrepreneuronfire.com that you know has been around for a number of years and i think he still publishes like his his monthly revenue and it's a lot of money you know he makes six figures a month from, from his podcast um and as a result, you know, I think a lot of people come into it thinking, oh yeah, I'll start a podcast and suddenly I'll be making you know, $200,000 a month. Um, <laughs> obviously that's, that's not always the case. So uh, I think the first piece of advice is, you know, if you're going to start a podcast, you've got to be pers perse you've got to persevere and stick at it for uh, a number of months, sometimes even a year before you really start seeing results. And that's when you can start thinking, okay, what, how can I make some money from this? And we've seen all sorts of, Business models work. Sometimes it is just sponsorship. Other times it's using um, your audience to support you, so via services like Patreon, and providing them with exclusive content uh, in return for you know a small monthly payment. That model can work really, really well for some people. Again, like Sam and-
0: Harris. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah um and the other thing is is using the podcast as a sort of platform to sell products or services so might be merchandise it could be consulting it could really be anything
0: sleep with me has that yeah Mm. but you you do need to find ways to do it in a way that's congruent with you as an individual host and then with your audience
1: yeah i totally agree i think um you know that one of the things that i was really disappointed with and i still am in, in terms of we were launching podcast.co. We had some conversations with um, various different companies that sort of supply spot advertising. And uh, these companies have really been born from the sort of radio industry and and then sort of transferred their, their services to podcasting and the the amount of money you get per thousand is, is really small. And I can't, I can't see how it's viable. You know, you'd need an extraordinary number of downloads per month to, to make any money using, using this sort of spot advertising. Um, but then again, it's generic, and, and I suppose most of your audience isn't going to be super focused. But if you've, say, got 5,000 people downloading your podcast a month, it might not sound like a huge number. But if you know like 90% of those 5,000 people are, you know, experts in, I don't know, whatever it might be, X subject, well, that immediately is a very, very focused and valuable audience to a potential sponsor.
0: No, Absolutely and it's also it seems that the say the reigning best practice is to make sure the host is the one who's actually speaking the tag yeah rather than have some sort of generic you know thing that just sounds like a sales pitch
1: yeah i t- i totally agree i think live reads is is the term which is used when when the host kind of pitches the product uh seem to be effective and there's some very promising statistics about how effective these are because I think it's something like 70 or 75% of people are taking action on commercial messages in podcasting, I think, when they're done right, um, which is which is really promising. But as I say, it's, you've got to just make sure what you're promoting is a good fit for your audience or, you know, the, the product or service, which complements your, uh, your podcast, um, you know, it, it is relevant. At the same time, it's still quite a leap of
0: faith to think that someone who's running while listening to a podcast is going to remember to go get that mattress. Uh, when i come back you know as opposed to reading it click on it seems a, a lot more easy that way versus or like a television you know you can't exactly well you can today with the internet but in the old days when you had a television you know go go buy palm olive well you have to remember to buy Paul olive when you're in the shop the next day because that's the way it was the old days yeah
1: i think it's interesting because like squarespace seemed to be the one the company that's really synonymous with 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 podcasts and um they, you know, they, they appear on all sorts of podcasts. It doesn't seem to really be any specific like type of podcast there are. I hear them on business podcasts. I've heard them on, you know, text focused stuff or even like on health things, all sorts of podcasts I've listened to. I've heard Squarespace as a sponsor, but I'm guessing it must work for them because otherwise why would they keep doing it? Absolutely. What about building your
0: podcast audience? What tips do you have on that? And, you know, after two years, you've done it, you've figured out how to make a good, product or do you, see, you know the quality of the sound and so on
1: yeah i think the first thing is just start a lot of people will think about starting a podcast for a long time but don't actually take any action uh you can't start building your your audience you're starting from nothing in most of the case uh unless you've obviously got a pre-existing brand or you know marketing list that you can sort of start sending these out to um so so starting soon rather than later is is always a good tip um secondly don't just upload your episodes and hope for the best you've got to try and be proactive and reach out to you know any 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 communication you can put forward whether that be via social media or email marketing on your existing website you know it needs to be treated as a cross channel campaign the next tip is you know don't just go it alone i think having partners collaborations can be really valuable you know like obviously right now i'm speaking to you on your podcast when your pod when this episode goes live i'll be pushing it out to my channel so having guests on your show is a fantastic way to increase the exposure to a wider audience than you would necessarily have straight straight off the bat and it's a very quick way of doing it as well mm-hmm. um and also cross-purposing you know so don't just treat your recording as a finished product um what else can you create from that well you can transcribe it turn it into potentially an article or a blog post or a newsletter you can create video assets with the audio which you can then use to you know share on social media um and uh and and also quote you know taking out quotes which are, are prominent and you think Kind of the juicy bits, the sound bites. Make sure that you're post, posting them on your social media channels because although all those things will do, uh, all those things will will help drive traffic to your podcast and ultimately create that momentum that you want. Uh, as you said
0: at the beginning, it's sort of a question of what you put in, you get out because that all yeah. takes extra finesse and thinking. Well, what was a juicy thought? Yeah. Cut it, find it, cut it out, and then repurpose it, send it out, and all that takes extra time. Just to finish, Jay, Jay yeah. you wanted to say something? Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, well, no, I was going to say in terms of time, you know, if it depends on your budget, but you don't always have to do everything yourself. You can outsource things quite often for not not a lot of money. Um, and, and again, it just depends on how much time, you know, you value your time, because personally, uh, you know, see, even editing takes quite a long time sometimes. Um, so, so you, the more stuff you can, if you if you've got a business or if you're an entrepreneur and you have some kind of budget to farm elements of that out, you know, there's plenty of websites you can go and find freelancers. You can approach companies like ours, which which have a production capacity, which will help you out. So, you know, don't think that you have to go it alone.
0: Brilliant, good words, James. Last question: Your mm-hmm. favorite
1: podcast or favorite podcasts, which turn James on? So, three that I have been listening to recently. Um, there's a guy called Frank Kern, who's a great marketer. He has a podcast called, uh, your next million, which is great. Um, some of his episodes sound awful, but he, the content's really good. Um, I've always been a fan of Paul McKenna from the nineties. And, uh, he has a podcast where he interviews loads of celebrities, um, kind of to find out what makes them tick, how they kind of got where they were. and uh, that's great. And, um, Third one, maybe Masters of Scale. I've listened to that on and off for years, and it's, uh, it's always interesting.
0: Groovy. Well, I'll put all those, as you can imagine, in the show notes, James, with your oversight to make sure I get the right ones. <laughs> and uh, James, how can someone uh, follow you, connect with you, or of course, if they're podcasters or podcast guests' potentials, find yep. more about what you're up to?
1: Well, if you go to jamesm.com slash connect, that's the page with links to all of my social media profiles. That's jamesm.com slash connect. And also check out podcast.co and matchmaker.fm. Beautiful.
0: Thanks for coming on the show, James. Looking forward to hanging out with you more.
1: Cheers, Minter. Thanks a lot for having me.
0: Thanks for having listened to this recording of the Minter Dialogue show. You'll find the show notes and other blog posts on minterdial.com. If you enjoyed the show, please head over to iTunes to give a rating and review. And to finish, here's a song I wrote with Stephanie Singer, A Convinced Man.
2: Tell myself there's no use in me life.
0: Have you ever found yourself scrolling through financial news and wondering, how does any of this affect me? How can I read a major headline and truly understand what impact that has on not only my
2: portfolio, to engage in conversation with much more educated opinions and predictions.
1: So be sure to check out our show, Inside the Street, wherever you find your podcast.